you know, we've watched a lot of news lately, and, and uh, just seeing what uh, is happening makes all of this even more real. And so I want to review for just a second. Uh, last week, we, we looked at the return of Jesus. We talked about the resurrection of the dead. These were all the R's we talked about last week, and the reunion of Christians with God in heaven. That's going to be online. If it's not online already, those should be uploaded uh, this week, and as this message as well, we'll get it on as quick as we can. Next week, we're going to do an overview. I'm just going to kind of give you an overview of Revelation with some snapshots, if you will, of what I believe uh, will give us a biblical understanding of what is happening and what's going to happen in the end times. Today, I want to talk about your end times. So it's going to get a little bit personal, uh, hopefully not too creepy and weird, uh, but um, I, whether or not you believe Jesus is coming back in your lifetime, in this lifetime, I mean, we've heard for years, I mean, ever since I even went to church, he's coming, he's coming again. We talked last week, remember the greeting was, Maranatha, he's coming, he's coming soon. And so we've heard it all along. We've heard we're in the end times. Now things are escalating a little bit because now we're seeing things around the globe that we didn't see 5, 10, 20 years ago. And they're in the book. And so now things that people are going, oh my, this, this is becoming more and more real. So we're, we're talking whether or not he comes back. If you're a Christian, you win. I mean, he is coming back. Whether he comes back while you're alive in your lifetime. But... Um, However our life comes to an end, whether we go up in the rapture or, or we meet Jesus uh, as we uh, live out our life, we're going, there's two judgments that are going to happen. And so today I'm going to talk about those two judgments uh, and also answer the question, what will heaven be like? So that's a lot. We're going to try to get it all in here and, you know, so I'm going to do the best we can and we're, we're going to believe we can, we can do it. How many believe with me? We're going to do this together. Revelation 22, 12 and 13 says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The New Living says it this way, Look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is what he's saying. He says, I'm going to be coming back. I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me. I'm going to give it to everyone according to to what he has done. If you're new to Christianity, let me be very clear. Let me state this very clearly so that you hear me. We are not qualified for heaven by how good we are. We don't get to heaven by our works, by our deeds, by how we are here. That's not how we make heaven. Are we clear on that? What we do, the truth is all we are all sinners. We are saved by grace. We are made right by God and faith in Jesus Christ. We are forgiven by Jesus And it's important to know that although our works don't qualify us to heaven, the way we live here does determine how we'll be rewarded in heaven. Now, I'm going to jump off this. Ladies, if I've got you too cold, I saw people fanning. Uh, I I don't really like to adjust it in the middle of service, and it always looks kind of weird if I go over there. But if you're too cold wave and an usher will come up and hopefully they'll know how anybody knows how to work that thermostat maybe okay bill's got it so if you get too cold bill won't be able to see you so it really won't matter (laughs) he's sitting in the front row (laughs) pay no attention to the man behind the curtain we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day here at cedar point (laughs) okay so 
Anyway, what we're going to be talking about is those two judgments. And again, it's not what we did here that qualifies us for heaven, but saved by grace. But what we do here qualifies us for our reward. So anyway, the way you live here on earth will determine how you're rewarded in heaven. There was a joke of a taxi driver and a preacher. And they both got up to the heaven's gate at the same time. And Peter met them at the gate. And he, and he told the preacher, he said, come right this way. And he, he said, here is your house. And we've got it all ready for you. It's this beautiful three-bedroom ranch, nice picket-fenced yard, beautiful shade trees, nice front porch, real nice. Preacher said, thank you. He goes to the taxi driver, and he says, now, your, your mansion's just down around the corner here. Got your mansion here, and I, we've got your in-ground pool. We've got your 8,000-square-foot uh, mansion overlooking the Heavenly Hills Golf Course on the 7th Green. The preacher said, hey, 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 wait a second. I have, have I not served God all of my life? And Peter looked at him and said, well, that's true. He said, but when you preached, people slept. When he drove, people prayed. We go by results here. (laughs) Well, that's a joke. And Peter's not going to be at the gate waiting on you, I don't think. But how you live down here will determine your reward up there. So what will the judgment be like for us in heaven? I was told as a new believer, maybe you were told this too, that there'd be a huge screen in heaven and that would show my whole life to everyone and then God would judge me. And I think if if you were me or or I was you, we'd just say, hit the trap door and just let me go. Just let me go. And all that comes down to is what we repented for and what is applied the blood over, where our sins confessed and forgiven. That's just going to come down to what we gave to Jesus. We're going to look at two judgments this morning. The first one of your taking notes is this, the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. What is it and when will it take place? Let's start with when will it take place. A lot of Bible scholars believe it will take place right after the return of Jesus and the resurrection of the Christian dead. In other words, those that went uh, to be with the Lord before he came back. We talked about that last week. That's when they're talking that this will come. The reason they believe that is according to a little verse Jesus talked about in Luke 14. He said, if you're throwing a dinner party, don't just invite your family and your friends and rich people because they can pay you back by inviting you to their party. He says, invite the poor, the lame, the crippled because they cannot pay you back. And he says, he'll repay you and reward you. Luke 14, 13 and 14 is this where we get this. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. That's where they get that belief. That's why many believe that the judgment will take place after the return of Jesus when the dead in Christ are raised. We, again, talked about that last week. Second Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Most scholars believe, and I agree, The judgment seat of Christ is a judgment for Christians only. Heaven is not the issue. So I need to be really clear here. At this first judgment, you have made heaven. Okay? Heaven is not in question. You are being judged on what God gave you to do and what you did with what he gave you. That's what you're being judged on. So heaven is not the issue. You're going to spend eternity with God, but you're going to be rewarded for what he is, your obedience to what he's done, what he's asked you to do. So that's what that's talked about, or what it's talking about. You'll be rewarded, rewarded accordingly. The Greek word translated for judgment seat is the word bima, 
B-E-M-A. You could say Bema, but I just say Bema. It sounds cooler when I say Bema. So I like that. Judgment is also called the Bema Judgment. And I wanted to explain something because I did a little research. The Bema was not the seat where the judge would sit to issue a sentence of guilty or innocent, but it was the seat where the judge would sit to issue awards after the Grecian Games. So once they did games, kind of if you think of the Olympics, that kind of thing. So if the runners would run a race, the judge would sit at the Bema seat to give out the awards to the winners. So he would give out, you are first place, he'd give maybe this wreath to this, you are second place, and so forth. Um, so that's what that was. And then just to give you kind of, you know, think about just getting a reward. If you've ever been a competitor, if you've ever been in any kind of sport, it is, we always want the trophy. In karate tournaments, man, I wanted the trophy. I'd kind of look and see what my age bracket in was just older. Well, I'd look at that trophy, and if there were a plaque, sometimes I'd be like, oh, man, I don't want a plaque. I had plaques. I wanted, you know, of course, you would say, I want the metal, but of course, they're plastic, so it's really not metal. But anyway, <laughs> you know, you want that award. Um, Sam, who's uh, in charge of media, but my youngest son, he, you know, he, I, I, want, I want you to understand this, how great this is. Um, you know, he believed God for a 10-point buck. I wanted to believe God with him for that, but I just didn't have the faith he did uh, for that. I hadn't seen a 10-point buck out of the property behind us, and he believed. I said, let's just believe for a six-point. He said, no, I want a 10-point. I said, just, you know, Sam, because I was, just, I was concerned he would get discouraged. Now, Sam is my faith boy, man. He, he was attached to my hip most all his life. And so then, you know, so he's like, Dad, just I'm sowing a seed, I'm believing. So we went out hunting, six point came out, and I'm telling Sam, shoot it, shoot it. And he won't shoot it. I'm just making the story quick. And uh, the, he said, that was your buck, that wasn't mine. <laughs> okay. So, you know, my son is teaching me. So, I mean, he could have shot him. I mean, the deer was from, you know, me to Keith over here with the hat, you know. That, and he's just standing sideways like, hello. And Sam will not shoot him. He's just like, that's not my deer. I'm not going to do that. So I took him out the next, that was on a, on a Friday or Saturday. I took him out on Sunday. And I felt just impressed to go out. And we, he released his faith. And the long story short, he shot a buck. I went to him. I heard my crossbow go off. I said, Sam. And he goes, I didn't, I was sick. He came. Whoa. I, 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 I was like, let's go find him. Because I heard the deer run about, 50 yards, sure enough, and guess how many points he had? 10. That deer is in my barn right now. I, I promised him, now listen to me, I promised him if you get your 10, and he's not, that's not if, it's when. It's when I get my 10 point. I said, okay, when you get it, I'll mount it. That'll be my trophy to you. That deer is in my barn right now. It's gorgeous. 10 point buck, he's got his arrow stuck right through his antlers just resting up there. Now, what I want is when we found that deer and I'm going and I'm like this, I mean, I'm like a kid in a candy store. But first, I'm like, I want to count the points. One, two, three, four, five, five on that side. He's ten. And and Sam is a witness. You can ask him and validate any of the story I just told you. We start dancing around the deer. Well, probably more me than him (laughs) dancing around the deer. And, And, you know, just oh, and we were shouting and and I was so proud of him. And when we got that deer head, we were able just to say, son, I'm so proud of you and your faith. Could you imagine at this judgment seat, Jesus Christ is going to hand out awards. How, how happy I was just to give my son what I had promised him. What would it be like? 
I mean, now think about it. This is the one with nail-scarred hands. Scars big enough you can see, a, you know, like a quarter hole. And he's taking a crown and going to give it to you. Could you imagine how happy he is? This is what you've done with what I've given you. You know what the elders did? The elders, they put it at his feet. That's what they did. Imagine just the one that wore the crown of thorns for you, handing you a trophy. In Scripture, there are five different crowns. Number one was the incorruptible crown. If you're running the faithful race, um, I won't, I'll just give you some scripture. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Second crown is the crown of rejoicing. People sharing their faith. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. Third crown of righteousness. Those are the people we talked last week that are just looking for, they can't wait till Jesus returns. They love his returning. 2 Timothy 4, 8. The crown of glory, that's for faithful pastors. The crown of glory, that's for faithful pastors. The crown of glory, oh, sorry. It's a glitch in my notes. No, 1 Peter 5, 2 through 5. The crown of life uh, for those that have suffered. James 1, 12. There's not going to be any gloating or bragging or smack talk in heaven. There's not going to be any Steeler fans or Browns fans. We're all going to be fans. Okay, there's not going to be anybody pulling a, a uh, wagon of Reese going, look at all my Reese. You shouldn't even, you're lucky you're even here. That's not going to happen. That's not going to be the way heaven is like. The 24 elders, they put their crown, they put it at his feet. If you could just imagine, I mean... <laughs> Just to be able to see if he picks up a crown and be able to see light through his hand and know that he was nailed on a tree for you and me, I think I'm going to take my crown and just say, no, 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 no. I don't deserve any of this. You deserve all of it. How humbling. I'm going to put my crown at his feet for he is worthy. So for those who are Christians, how we live on earth will determine how we'll be rewarded in heaven. I'm going to give you a suggested timeline now. These are just suggested. You, you know, if you go into Scripture and, and just, I mean, bottom line is whatever the Bible says is true, okay? So if I've got this out, I don't think I have it out of, out of line, but obviously I'm human, so this is just suggested. So I'm going to, they'll, they'll put it up on the screen if you're taking notes. This is kind of the order in which I see this is happening. Christ returns, and they'll put it, look, they've got, look at all those, see? They can leave that up for a second, so if you're taking notes, um, yeah, people out there, you sure? I want writer's cramp. Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor. <laughs> um, there's all kinds of scripture with, with each of those. Christ returns, dead in Christ rise, Christians raptured, believers judged and rewarded, seven-year tribulation, knowing that the last three and a half years are far worse than the first three and a half years because then the Antichrist will rise. And, and then that's when, in that last three and a half years, that's when things get really nasty. You have to have the mark to be able to get stuff. And, you know, there's some people that are doing some smart things. They're taking their smartphones. They're, I'm just going to click a picture of that. Hmm. I'm not writing that down. What's well, this a smart idea, I guess? <laughs> the Battle of Armageddon. Satan thrown into the bottomless pit. Christ returns for a thousand year reign. He's released, Satan is released then for a short time. Resurrection of the dead, the great white throne judgment, new heaven and new earth. 
that's the, the chronological order of, of at least how I've gone through Scripture to, to see what is happening. I have something in my barn, and I was looking for it, and I'm going to find it. And so hopefully next week I'll bring it with you. It's a color, I don't know, it's about this long. And if I can bring it, I'll bring it. And you, you can take a picture of it with your phone if you want. But it is the, all those events with some pictures in order. So if I can find that, I'll bring that in. But uh, I want to ask this question, what will heaven be like? John had a vision in Revelation 21, 1 through 4. I want to show you three specific descriptions of what heaven is like. And I know we're doing a lot today, and we're, you know, but this is important. Um, so here's our first one. God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, Revelation 21, 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there is no more sea. So God makes a brand new earth without the curse of sin and a new heaven. That's why many scholars believe, and I tend to have an agreement with them, of what you enjoyed on earth, you're going to enjoy in the new one. I believe that in heaven, there's going to be, if you were a country folk, you're going to have some country stuff up there. So Keith Puckett will be shouting the shout right now. <laughs> he got some log cabin home somewhere. <laughs> God, here's my rainwater bucket. <laughs> He'll have all that. But I mean, I'm serious. If you enjoyed what you enjoyed, I believe heaven is going to be awesome. Um, and you will enjoy it in the new one. The only difference, now this is the cool thing. There will be no sin. Be no curse of sin. And I like the fact that that is, it'll be like the Garden of Eden before the fall. And Adam and Eve could walk with God in the cool of the day. They could walk with him. They could walk around. It'll be like that. It'll be paradise before the serpent turned and ruined everything with temptation followed by the curse. Heaven will be indescribably better than our, your most favorite moment on the earth. I mean, if you have a favorite vacation spot, I mean, my family loves to go to Michigan just because it's just gorgeous over there. And that's nothing against Ohio State. I'm just talking about the state of Michigan, okay? I'm not talking about the football team. Just talking about Michigan in general. It's just beautiful countryside. We've, we've just went up there and just kind of, def, you know, just kind of really got pressure off. It was just one of those kind of vacations. Another place they love is Disney World. Disney World is a totally different vacation than a Michigan vacation because Disney World is like, you know, hurry up and go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, Mouseketeers. You know, you're doing the whole thing. We'd open the park and close the park. Come back to the hotel or stay with my mom and dad. Crash. Get up and do it all again. You almost need a vacation from your vacation just because you're tired. But it is still a great place. I still to this day can remember when the boys were little. I remember Zach and his little Peter Pan hat. And Sam and Captain Hook and all that. And we were waiting on the girls to come out of the gift shop. And me and my father, I'll remember this until I'm with Jesus. They were dancing on Main Street around a light pole. And the shadows and the music was playing. And I just thought, Lord, this is a good life. My mom and dad were with us. And everybody was happy. And I looked into the, the, uh, the store. And Kim was in there. And she was laughing. And, and I mean, it was just one of those moments that just was like, take a picture. Because I'm going to live that moment over and over again the bible says no eye has seen no ear has heard what god has prepared for those who love him secondly what will heaven be like is you'll never suffer again never revelation 21 4 and 5 god will wipe away every tear turn to your neighbor and say every from their eyes there shall be no more death no sorrow no crying there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away then he who sat on the throne said behold i make all things new and he said to me right for these words are true and faithful those of you that hurt right now 
you need to know that in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no more pain ever. I don't know what you're hurting from. Could be for past someone that's hurt you, someone that you've lost, but there will be no more pain, no more diabetes, no more cancer, no more headache, no more sickness, no more wars, no more ISIS, no more starvation, no more disease, no more divorce, no more loneliness, no more. It'll all be over. All the suffering will be done. And lastly, what will heaven be like? You will live with God forever. Revelation 21, 3. This is the 20th time this phrase is written. The final time in Revelation. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall. I'm sorry. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. New Living says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God is home now among his people he will live with them and they will be his people god himself will be with them one commentary said because this is the last time this is written it is the most important announcement from god and it and i see why it deserves a shout it's the final declaration from the throne he's echoing the words that his son said on the cross it is finished it has been restored it's back the way i created it you got to understand when we sing that song, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, that term redeemed actually means to put back into its natural state. The original intent. So God is saying it's finally, it's finished. This is what I wanted from the beginning. My children are with me and I'm with them. In our finite minds, we can't handle the glory of that promise. It's past us. The Bible says we can't look upon him in his purest essence and live. Our mortal bodies can't handle the pure presence of God. But in that day, when we are resurrected or raptured, we get a body makeover. I'm telling you, then our bodies now are, are clothed with righteousness because of Christ. And we can walk in fellowship with God, just like in the garden before temptation. And God says, that's the way I wanted it. He doesn't just love us, my friends, because love is who he is. That is his essence. He is love. We were created as an object of his love, so his plan is completely satisfied when his children dwell with him. For those parents and grandparents that are in the room, for those that have kids or grandkids, all of my kids are grown. They're driving or learning to. When Maddie has her license, I'll let you know. <laughs> But when we, you know, Kim and I will sit at home, she said, let's, let's have the kids over. And we, you know, send out a, a text or a call and say, hey, kids, free dinner. I'm buying. Come on, come back. We, we just got away for about four or five days to Michigan, and Sam and Hannah showed up for two days. It was wonderful. Because Zach was there, and Maddie was there, and Mal was there, and then Sam came. And he brought his lovely wife. And we were all under one roof. We felt like they're here. The world is right. That's why holidays are so important. That's why it's so important to be with your family. The whole gang is home together again, safe, close by. That's what God is saying. My children are with me. There's no more pain. And we will dwell with him in paradise. So when you stand before the one who's crowned you with the crown of thorns, 
that he wore. And he's crowned you with rewards that he wants to give you. And he welcomes you with the crown of righteousness into the heavens he's prepared for you. He is that good. We have that to look forward to if you're a believer. Here's the problem. Most people today believe that heaven is the default destination. It's not. Hell is. You go to a funeral, you'll, well, Uncle Frank was pretty good. We're just thankful he's in a better place. We tell ourselves that to make us feel better. Anytime somebody we love dies, if we don't know their relationship with God, they're in a better place. Heaven isn't and never will be the default destination. Hell is. A lot of people will say, well, if you're just a good person, we can all get to heaven because, after all, all roads lead to the same place. No, they don't. Let's all go different directions when we leave here, see if we end up the same place. It's not going to happen. <clears throat> Matthew seven thirteen and 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way, that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Remember when we just finished our series weird. We talked about broad road doesn't lead to heaven. It leads to destruction. It leads to the default destination which is hell. We talked about the judgment seat of Christ. The beam of judgment where Christians go to be rewarded for how they lived on earth. Now we're going to talk about the other one. Number two. The great white throne judgment. Christians will not be there. Revelation 20, 11 through 15 says this. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from those from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's sobering. It's quiet in here. Nobody wants to be at that one. That judgment is, we don't want to be there. And you don't have to be there if you're still alive. And you can make a choice. You may be saying, wait a minute. That's not fair. I don't like this part of the story. God sending people to hell, that's not fair. That's not love. Let's talk about what really is not fair. What God does here is absolutely and completely fair. We just watched Courageous, about a dozen men the other night. And if you remember... Guys with me, the, uh, the one fellow was telling, you know, if you knew somebody that you loved and they were brutally murdered and the judge just let them go, would he be a good judge or a bad judge? The guy said he'd be a bad judge. He said, that's right. God can't do that. You see, there's a, there's a part that we have to understand. We have to have Jesus. Sin has to be paid for, and it was but it has to be applied now. Are you with me? In other words, everything that's wrong, he has already died for. Every sin you've ever done, he's already died for. Every sin you'll ever do, he's already died for. But it has to be applied. 
The medicine won't fix the cut if you don't put it on. There has to be a payment. If we don't have his righteousness, the sentence is guilty and the payment is hell. Not only is it fair, it's justice. What's not fair is that the lake of fire is what we all deserve, but Jesus paid for all of us. God says that he doesn't want any to perish. And matter of fact, that was created for the enemy and his angels. The enemy. But we are guilty without Jesus. That's not fair for him. God won't send you there. You will send yourself. By not choosing him. By not accepting his love. He doesn't want you to go there. You don't have to go there. These events that I'm telling you about, and especially as we're looking around the world and all the news is lit up, you know, people just dining in a restaurant. I can't do anything for those people. Neither can you. I don't know if they knew the Lord or, or they don't know the Lord. Those people that were in the soccer stadium when the bombs went off, those that were in the, the, the concert hall or the theater that were just randomly shot at from the balcony, As sobering as that is, I I can't do anything outside of just saying, God, I need your protection. I need your love. I need to live in covenant with you. Hell is the default destination. But you don't have to go. We're going to see, I, I don't know when Jesus is coming. I have people who will ask me, when do you think he's coming? Do you think he's, oh, I'd love to say he's coming back in my lifetime. I'd love to see us all, whew, you know, we'll meet by the east gate or the east wall or the west wall. Whichever wall you pick, let's go. We'll have a TLC party right over there. That'll be cool. But the cool thing is, if you make the first judgment, you're, you're going to make heaven. You've already made it. It's just going to be rewarded for what you did here. See, because how you live here echoes through eternity. I stole that line from a movie, but it's a true line. With every head bowed and every eye closed,